Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. From Decrypt.co, this is Matthew Aaron. Today on the show, oh, oh, here she comes. Binance is getting into DeFi. Swift says that cryptocurrencies are rarely used in money laundering. And the inflation saga continues what it means for you with Amin Gunsur, professor of Cornell University and CEO of Avalanche. Coming up on the Decrypt Daily. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today is Tuesday, September 8th, 2020, and this market is absolutely crazy. I want everybody to breathe. My friend just sent me a text last night. He's like, I can't take it anymore. I can't believe that Bitcoin pulled back all the way under. It did dip under $10,000. Everything dipped under $10,000. I can't believe it. What is going on? I lost hope. I lost motivation. I lost the vision. I lost the path. I don't want to be in here anymore. I said, brother, breathe just breathe please everyone i know that this market is volatile i know that the crypto space the universe is crazy i know crypto twitter can grind your last nerve and gears or whatever you want to be grinding it sucks but you gotta breathe think rationally take a step back and if you really need to make any big decisions about the crypto space i don't know what you're doing i don't know if you're investing i don't know if you have a business in the space i don't know if you're building an app for the space i don't know But if you get discouraged because of the fluctuating volatility of the space, the FUD, the news, anything that's happening, sleep on it. If you can, sleep on it. Don't make decisions tired. Make sure that you are thinking rationally. And with that, let's go take a look at those crypto prices. I don't know if I want to, but we're going to look anyway. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. And I'm recording this at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is sitting at $10,043.82, down 1.7% from yesterday. Let's see here. Last time it was at that price was, going back in my notes, July 24th, 25th. That was the last time it was even close to being this low. Ethereum, 336.85, down 3.7% from yesterday. Litecoin 46.85 down 2.7% from yesterday, which puts Litecoin at the number 10 spot in the top 10. I don't remember seeing Litecoin ever that far down in coin market cap, but it is now number 10 in total market cap. Chainlink sitting at 11.64 down 5.2% from yesterday, and XRP 23.5 cents down 1.9% from yesterday. Total market cap for all cryptocurrencies 322.1 billion dollars. Bitcoin dominance, 57.4%. Yikes. And in our main story today, we're going to continue with the inflation saga. Fed Chairman Jerome Powell was on the news today talking about inflation, talking about the Fed, talking about the economy, talking about COVID and all kinds of things. NPR said in the news today, because of globalization, we don't have to worry much about inflation. I was like, hmm, is that really true? And to answer that question and many more, I reached out to Amin Gunsur, 
CEO of Avalabs and professor at Cornell University to talk about it. Enjoy this conversation. Amin, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. Very nice to be here, Matthew. This is a very interesting time. COVID-19 has transformed the way that we're looking at economies, the economy in general, unemployment, um, and the future of how everything's going to roll out. Jerome Powell, the Fed chair, just said that he's going to allow for inflation and that a lot of other people are saying that this is going to be a good time to go into the stock market or into other assets such as cryptocurrencies. Do you think that's correct? How do you see this playing out? I think we're living through an exceptional time. Uh, we're going to see a bunch of things, macro trends. Uh, come in and affect the crypto space uh, quite significantly. Um, so first of all, the Fed and in fact, the Feds at, across all of the Western world have no chance to uh, rekindle their economy but to inflate. They have to come in with a credible threat of inflation or else money will sit on the sidelines. And so you're going to see them um, make all sorts of uh, statements that say that inflation is coming. They will start doing things to bring on inflation and uh, we know how this game will play itself out. We've seen it time and time again uh, in other economies. And um, these things are very hard to steer. And uh, there will be undershoot, and then they will overreact, and then they will overshoot. It's not a precise game. So we're going to go from a lethargic economy to a sudden uh, period of, uh, of, of high inflation. And uh, this will in some ways be good for uh, restarting re, uh, the economy up. Um, but in the process, asset prices, in my view, are going to go up. We're already seeing stock prices go through the roof, and um, and so uh, so that's in some sense that's that's okay. Uh, the investment in people's four hundred one ks and so forth uh, is is preserved. Uh, but how far can stocks go? At some point, we will run out of credible assets to park money into. So. Um, at the moment, if you ask me, like today, like just last couple of days, there was a slight correction in the stock market. But overall, the price levels are incredibly high. And I wonder if that's sustainable. And I, I can see already, at least in my circles, that people are looking for alternative investments. And that's where crypto comes in. It has a, a dual dual effect. It's, it's not only a different kind of asset. It's not only a, a, a something decoupled from the motion of other assets, but also it could have its own inter in in intrinsic value as the foundation of a new economy, a new way of doing business. So I'm really excited about the impact on crypto. Um, and uh, we will see, I think, much more money coming into crypto over the next month or so. You said something that I, I caught that I thought was very important. No chance but to inflate. This is what you just said. What does that mean? What, what, what do you mean they have no chance but to inflate? If we didn't inflate, what would happen? If we do inflate, what happens? Okay, so channeling uh, standard orthodoxy when it comes to central bankers, it goes like this. Um, when, uh, when the economy is in a contractionary period, when uh, money is uh, being hoarded, when people are, are choosing to sit on their cash supplies instead of uh, putting it into the economy, uh, they have, uh, well, there, there are a bunch of different things that the central bankers can do. One of them is reduce interest rates. And you do that until you hit the zero bound. They've already done that. Interest rates are now zero or negative in much of the Western world. So they've done the max they can easily. And now from here on out, what they can do, in fact, the only thing that they can do in their orthodox thinking is 
uh, well, uh, we got to mobilize the money on the sidelines. And the only way that they know to do it from here on out is to create a credible threat of inflation. The, they have to create in the minds of the populace the feeling that if this money is not used somehow or another, its value will depreciate over time in bank accounts. I'm getting that feeling, actually. And I think many of the listeners already have that feeling as well, that uh, the banks are giving us tiny, tiny interest rates and the money is losing its value. Asset prices are going up and um, you will st start seeing people uh, wanting to mobilize their cash. And, um, you know, the, the pros, the hedge fund managers and so on, they're already mobilized. Uh, but you will see more of the money, uh, you know, get uh, get poured into the economy, into into investments. We will see what happens after that and what kinds of assets they go into. That's very interesting. Okay, so you said that the stock prices are very high right now. We see crypto starting to turn up a little bit. Um, I have two questions out of this. The first question is, is this real money? I mean, look, the, the stock prices, the valuations of these companies, we're talking about uh, Apple's at $2.2 trillion. Uh, you know, Tesla's about a half a billion dollars, maybe a little bit less right now. But we're talking about massive companies, massive stock valuations. The first one is, is this real money? The second one is, there is an index that I heard about, rumor, if you maybe explain this too much, that compares the value of production of these companies to the value of the company and that they're uneven right now. That value, The companies are valued way more than they're probably actually producing or uh, in, in terms of products or value to, say, an economy. Uh, can you talk about the both of those aspects? So all of these numbers are imperfect in some fashion or another. Is Apple really a multi-trillion dollar company? No, obviously not. How did that valuation come about? Well, if you multiply the uh, price of the last trade of a single share by the number of shares outstanding, then you get some number and that number can be astronomically high. It's an easy calculation to make and it's a good relative metric. But do not ever be fooled into thinking that one could extract trillions of dollars of value. As you extract some, you will find that the price drops and the extractable value is probably orders of magnitude less than, than that trillion dollar figure. So I don't put much faith in those numbers except as a relative metric between stocks and between assets. So that's, that's my number one response. Extractable value and market cap are completely different things. Um, are these companies valuable companies? Absolutely. Do they represent future, future money? Not, you know, I mean, I can't say that, uh, for uh, every company out there. I can't say it for, uh, all companies. I can't even say it for all top 500, top 10 companies. Yeah, at least quite a few of them uh, have, have been vetted by the public. And um, they do represent future income flows to come, uh, and they represent value to come. Um, I'm really bullish on crypto uh, in the sense that I believe it will do for uh, finance and for the way we run our economy what uh, what computerization did for every other aspect of the economy. Just take a look at something that people are just enamored with. Let's take Airbnb. Um, and uh, what did they do? They brought computer technology to the hotel business. Or take Uber. They brought computer technology to taxi hailing. It's as narrow as that. It's just transfer. It's just taxi calling company. It's a simple app. And yet people are, are perfectly comfortable thinking that, that Uber could be a you know, multi-billion dollar company. And then you look at crypto assets and they really have the potential to reimagine finance. They can change the way everything works. And so um, in my opinion, they are, they are quite undervalued. The entirety of the space is undervalued. 
and I expect more money to come. Just re- really quick, I want to go back to the first question I, I asked about that was, uh, is this real money? The reason why I asked this is like, you know, the Fed's printing trillions of dollars and, you know, basically we're just adding zeros at the end of some uh, digital ledger mm-hmm. out there that's centralized. Is this real money that's going into the stock market, creating this valuations of these companies and that's going to be pushing this uh, the economy forward? Yeah, that's a good question. I wonder about that myself, but I, I have no metric and no, no other concept besides the USD to, to judge things by. Is it real money? No, it's just a bunch of numbers on ledgers, right? And uh, as they print more, the values will go up, which takes us back to the very first question you asked, right? Well, how do we live in, a, in an inflationary period? Which money is real? What represents real value? Where do you go in an environment such as this? Uh, to make sure that whatever you've saved doesn't disappear on you. These are really hard questions, and I don't think anyone has figured them out. Um, all I know is uh, is diversification is a, is a is a sensible thing to do. Uh, so uh, you know, so you got to have some representative assets from each asset class in your portfolio, if you ask me, so as to to make sure that inflation doesn't eat away, um, and and your risk is uh, distributed evenly. And um, what will happen after these numbers start going up even faster than they have been once they start hitting the, the CPI? And that's anyone's guess. And um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, they're all very hard questions. I don't really have a great answer for anyone other than to say, be diversified. Make sure you have different uncorrelated assets in your portfolio. Make sure that uh, you are not entirely living in a dollar-denominated, dollar-controlled, Fed-controlled bubble. Um, you know, beholden to just what happens in the U.S., spread it around. And you just said CPI, and that's uh, Consumer Price Index, correct? Yeah, exactly. Okay, excellent. We've been talking a lot about the stock market, big companies, trillions of dollars, money that nobody can even fathom, so I don't even want to even try to think about it. But what is this inflation? What does all this mean to the average person? The guy who makes the average income in America is anywhere between fifty dollars and $70,000. Most people fall within that for their family. What is inflation going to mean to them? And when people hear inflation, we think of Venezuela. We think of these these countries that had massive, you know, inflation mm-hmm. and that that was unsustainable. That destroyed their countries. Are we talking a potential of that? So, two questions: What is going to mean for the average person short term, and are we talking long term possible Venezuela, Zimbabwe type situations? So, I don't think that we are going to be seeing anything near that um, in the West. Um, on the other hand, for many many decades. Uh, all Western economies lived through a, a period of exceptionalism. They thought that what happened elsewhere could not happen here. They thought that um, that high inflation was something that the central bankers here had licked, that had solved entirely, and uh, and that uh, you know thanks to a confluence of factors, they really lived in a very nice bubble of economic prosperity and uh, well understood control. And um, I think uh, what we are seeing, what we heard from Powell and others, was. Uh, uh, you know that they they recognize the need to to change what they they were doing, and uh, we're going to see them start to to invite inflation in, and uh, we're going to see at least uh, uh, medium level uh, levels of uh, of inflation at least temporarily. That's what the Fed is saying that they will allow. They, they were targeting two percent before. Now they're targeting an average of two percent, allowing it to go higher. What this means for the average person. Is uh, it's kind of interesting. It has uh, benefits as well as huge downsides. The um, the uh, the benefit, of course, is if you're in debt and your debts are uh, are based on a fixed uh, fixed rate, um, the the mortgages etc. are fixed rate mortgages. 
then you'll then inflation is good for you. Especially higher inflation means that uh, uh, you know that if as long as you're employed, you're going to be in a good position. You will be able to pay back your you know, whatever you borrowed. Uh, debtors usually end up coming ahead through uh, periods of, of high inflation. Debtors on a fixed uh, fixed income, a uh, fixed uh, fixed rate. Um, but uh, at the same time, of course, inflation is a tax on everyone, and it's uh, it's not it's a non-progressive tax. Everybody in the economy ends up paying something, uh, you know, to the inflationary gods, and um, and that is that is not a fair thing. And especially people on the lower end of the income scale end up getting hurt. If it runs for a long enough period of time, it typically has deep societal consequences. The the poorest of us sadly get even poorer. And they start needing help and support. And then, of course, you also see the richer people who get who end up getting uh, getting hurt as well. They end up speaking out as well. So we're going to see a, a very odd situation here. And uh, you know, it's anyone's guess how long it's going to last. And um, and uh, you know, I just can't wait to see what happens. Before I ask my last question, I want to say thank you very much for spending time with us today on the Decrypt Daily. In a lot of your your talks on YouTube that I've been watching to prepare for this interview to get to know you a little bit, you always talk about the future, the future of crypto currencies, the future of blockchain, because nobody says the blockchain, one thing that you say in your videos. What do you see as the future to blockchain? And is blockchain going to mirror anything that's happening now with uh, inflation, with COVID, with um, the current situations that you're seeing around the world and some of the hardships that we might see in short term? Ah, great question. So I think blockchains are going to completely revolutionize the world and not in just some kind of a superficial back office way, not in some way that's visible only to the techies, but in a way that impacts everybody. So um, it's they are an extinction level event for many incumbents. There are way too many financial intermediaries out there who collect a tax or call a toll uh, because, uh, you know, by virtue of having maneuvered themselves into a protected position, by virtue of having uh, enacted regulations that protect their special position, and by being in the path of every financial transaction. You go try buying a, a, a stock certificate from someone. You go try investing without an intermediary. You have no idea of the number of, of different parties that eat out of that trough. And, um, and so blockchains promise to upend all that. There are many other financial directions that are also uh, populated by people who bring very low value. And uh, these intermediaries that bring low value abound in insurance, in an insure tech. They abound in a whole lot of other, other regions. And there, there are also um, you know, enormous problems of reach. You know, I don't know if any of your listeners ever tried to, you know, if they ever traveled somewhere and thought, hey, I'd like to invest. I think that this this particular city that I'm visiting at the moment is going places. I would like to place a bet on the real estate market here. Well, how do you do that? It's very hard. Um, or I remember once I tried to buy Russian sovereign bonds, uh, thinking that Putin was going to get stronger. And, uh, and I was unable to. I couldn't do it from New York. This is me in the U.S. unable to buy a financial instrument uh, in another fairly big economy. So um, those barriers are coming down. So as much as it's an extinction level event for uh, blockchains, uh, for, for sorry, for incumbents, blockchains are an, a huge opportunity for nimble startups. They're a huge opportunity for, for people who are entrepreneurial, who can come in and completely reimagine the way we do business, the way we issue financial assets, and the way we trade them across the globe. I'm incredibly bullish in the area, and I believe that in five to 10 years, we're going to see an enormous, enormous sea of change. 
And we're beginning to see the initial uh, initial hints of this right now. We're going to be trading every single asset on a blockchain or another. And um, even things that we didn't think were virtual assets will be on there. Uh, and then going back to your question uh, with COVID and so on, the, um, the fact that people are cooped up in their houses uh, and the fact that we have to carry out many of our uh, functions online uh, has renewed interest in blockchains and cryptocurrencies. So the area is hot right now. It's an exciting time to be in it. The macro trends are lined up and uh, and I'm really uh, happy uh, to see the changes that are that are to come. In England, Sarah, thank you very much for coming on the show and explaining all this to us. I hope to talk to you very soon. Thank you so much, Matthew. Glad to be here. And in other news, cryptocurrencies rarely used to launder money, fiat currency, is preferred, according to SWIFT, the Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunication. Money laundering via cryptocurrencies is not a preferred tool for criminals, a report said. Traditional methods like mules, cash businesses, and the drug trade remain at the forefront. However, privacy coins or private cryptocurrencies and online marketplaces are an upcoming threat. And I just want to say, duh. The crypto space, crypto Twitter, and everybody in crypto has been saying this for years. And finally, it took a report from Swift to say what we have been saying all along. Fiat currency remains king of money laundering. And now let's welcome my favorite writer today from Decrypt, Scott Cipollina, to come on and talk about Binance's move to DeFi. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. 100%. And I also, I want to thank you for writing this article on Binance jumping into DeFi, man. Tell me about this. Okay, sure. So um, I guess first thing is first, I'll just give a quick explanation of what DeFi means. Um, so DeFi basically just stands for decentralized finance. And um, it's a new and exciting way of trying to recreate traditional financial assets in a decentralized environment um, with one of the intentions to sort of keep things further afield from government control. So that's what DeFi is and what Binance is doing is they've launched the uh, Binance Launch Pool, which is basically a DeFi platform. It allows users to farm new assets, and the first project that's going to be found on Binance's Launch Pool is called Bella Protocol. And Bella Protocol is basically focused on trying to help onboard new DeFi users. So DeFi has traditionally sort of been a little bit held back, some would say, with poor user experiences and, and fees and things of that sort. So Bella Protocol is basically trying to focus on reversing that process and democratizing access to DeFi within the wider crypto community. So basically, they're making an infrastructure for DeFi. They're not using, is this going to be using the Binance chain or the BNB token? Um, well, there's actually going to be um, the a specific token on Bella Protocol, and that's the first project on the Binance launch pool. So future projects might be different, but as things currently stand, there's going to be a specific token available on Bella Protocol, which is, as I said, the first first project on the launch pool itself. Oh, okay. So I, I, I misunderstood. Bella Protocol is actually, even though by Binance, a separate entity from Binance. I saw, I saw in your article, you can stake BNB token as well, though. Yeah, so you can, well, you can stake three different tokens, BNB tokens, BUSD tokens, and ARPA tokens as well. And you can farm Bell tokens specifically as well on the protocol. What does it look like that this is going to do for the, for the crypto space and DeFi in general? I mean, is this going to make it safer? Is this going to... How do you feel that this is going to play out? Well, I think um, my own, from my own view, um, obviously, you know, Binance is such a major player in the crypto community. I think that it has the potential to try and democratize DeFi, as we just discussed briefly. I think that that might be one of the biggest takeaways from this initiative, for sure. And we'll have to see how, how it plays out. But that looks like it might be one of the things to keep an eye on. Wonderful. Scott, thank you very much for sharing this news with us. Thank you. And finally, in breaking news... 
Another cryptocurrency exchange gets hacked for millions of dollars. Nearly $2 million in stolen funds have already been moved to various other crypto exchanges and DeFi protocols. Hackers stole nearly $2 million from crypto exchange Eterbase earlier today. The European exchange is working with authorities to nab the thieves. This is, of course, the latest in a long line of costly hacks for crypto exchanges throughout the world. I will give you more on this as it develops. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. Look, I ask you this every episode. Why? Because it is so important to the show. Just take a couple minutes, open up iTunes, open up your Apple Podcasts, and subscribe, like, and leave a comment. It's the only way that the Apple algorithm keeps us showing up in searches for people to recommend. It's how how the algorithm has confidence that we actually do what we say we're doing so it's up to you guys please take a couple minutes subscribe like leave us a star rating and leave a comment all of those to make sure that people can get access to the news about crypto we'll see you tomorrow happy hodling